welcome to the Harvest Australia podcast. We trust you'll be blessed by this message from Senior Pastor Marty Manuel. Well, today I'm going to try, and what I mean by try is really try, to um, take on a, a, a really big ideology that really for, I think for Karen and I, really began our first time in Germany some, you know, three years ago or whenever that was. Um, and um, so I've called it systems versus relationship. Uh, and we're going to start in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. Revelation chapter 2. Verse 1, and um, I think I'm skipping, a, 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 it's between NIV and NASB, I think, these translations, but you'll follow me. And uh, yeah, in Revelation 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be, um, to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place." But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which also I hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. This verse I've never really understood. I'll be honest, I'd never really understood it until we'd been to Germany. And, um, uh, you know, we can so easily read this stuff and make it distant make it relevant to the church in Ephesus, <laughs> which is somewhere else. Um, but I think that through some heart healing and, and through some journeying, through my own stuff, um, I soon have realized that Scripture is relevant for me. It's not relevant just for everyone else or for Ephesus, so to speak, or as in the church out there that doesn't do it the right way or that doesn't worship the way we worship or doesn't understand the revelations that we have. Um, from heaven or whatever, whatever other proud, you know, things that I might have uh, had in my heart. But for me to have my eyes opened and, and um, to actually Revelation chapter 2, I remember reading that some years ago and I remember thinking, wow, what would you say to me, Lord? What would you say to me? What do I have in my life? What do I have in my heart? Is it a system that I've learnt? that I've grown up in, that I know how to function in really, really well, right words, right things to say, look this way, sound that way, say a few prayers and, you know, maybe even repent at the right times and this sort of systematic um, uh, faith that we can have or do I actually have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And so I suppose for me this is when the rubber really hit the road for me uh, where I realized that a good 50 to 70%, uh, maybe even being nice to myself, I don't know, but a good portion of my own faith was systematic. It was a system, not a relationship. And so this is the theme I want you to think about today um, because 
I think that it's so easy as Christians in the West. I mean, obviously, having Sharpa come and share some of the stories, it, it jolts us a little bit. Um, the key is not to go back to just normal again and think, oh, that's Jonathan Sharpa, and now she's gone. Everything's okay again. Those same things are happening right now. Those same things all over the world right now. Those same hardships and trials and, and even in Australia, the same issues that, that we sometimes might like to ignore because it's just easier to ignore. And I'll be honest, it is easier to ignore some things. Um, but these things still happen anyway. And so for me, Revelation chapter 2 is a very confronting chapter where Jesus is saying to the church, or we can put it, personal and say where he's saying to us you've actually done really really well you've you've even brought people to the lord or you've even done the right things in the right ways you've tried really really hard you've had you've gone to revival meetings and you've you've done everything that's required of you in our own sort of style but have you forgotten your very 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 first reason for becoming a Christian in the first place. A lot of us would have a story that when we got born again or got saved or became a believer in Jesus, it might have been very dramatic. Mine wasn't really dramatic. I'm like James Goal. I had no BC. And so for me, it's just sort of been quite organic and slowly growing. And, you know, there's been jumps along the way. But... Um, but a lot of people have a dramatic encounter, a, a real reformation of their life. And you can remember that time where God impacted you, where, where that salvation experience was just a witness in your soul. And I read John Wesley, and that's what they used to look for. And I remember reading that thinking, I never had that. So am I even saved? And, and there may be some of you that think, well, I've just, become, I've just been an organic Christian all my life. Well, you're as saved as the person who had a dramatic encounter. It's just taken years for that encounter to build. And I had the same thing with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if you never had a big dramatic encounter with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, of someone laying on of hands and speaking tongues, and then you try and speak after them, you know, that system that we try and operate in to, to fill someone with the Holy Spirit, but only the Holy Spirit can actually do it. And, and so some of you may feel lesser for not having the dramatic but it's all about relationship. The Bible never actually says, and Jesus never used some of these formulas that we use. He never put us in a box. He never put us in some of these. And, and I know Shampa threw out some bombs when she was here. You know, and she does that so that we think. So that we think. So that we don't just accept the norm and accept the box as that's the way we have to do life. Or that's the way we have to do um, religion or Christianity. And so some of those things can be quite confronting that she'll throw out. But she'll throw them out there to just shake the bushes a little bit and say, where is your relationship with him? Or do we just accept this form and this, this even a religion that, that is nice and it, it loves people and it does a certain amount of things. But our first calling is to him. Our first calling is to him. And this, you know, even, even when I was just preparing this this week, I, I put on Revelation chapter 2 and I knew straight away, mm, this, this one really is for me. So you can fall asleep today if you need to um, because this one is for me. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't see everyone's eyes anyway, so it, it's not going to make much difference. But, but I, I just want to read a bit of Revelation chapter 2 again. I'll, uh, I'll read from 
Verse 2, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you've tested those to claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You've persevered and have endured hardships for my name. You've not grown weary, but this I hold against you. You've forsaken your first love. Remember the height which you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Go back to being a child, in other words. And if you do not repent, I'll come and remove the lampstand from its place. I think when, when our love grows cold, when our love is gone, the lampstand is gone. And so I, I think that's what it means. Now, this is a challenge that it, it's, and it's, a re, it's an ongoing challenge, I think, for us as Christians. And, and Sharpa certainly challenged us on this as well. But if you look at Australia or America in particular, right now you've got, in America, you've got an election campaign going on and you've got different sides of politics and and I don't want to give an opinion either way but only to say that the danger the danger in Christians and even in with our own election the danger with Christians is that all we do is point out all the faults in everyone else and if we do that we are Ephesus do you know what I mean we are Ephesus because we're doing everything well because we come to church and we don't live a lifestyle like that so we feel good about ourselves and we don't believe those things and we teach the right things and we live the right way and so what we're doing is sitting in the judgment seat and and saying well you you do you don't do this you don't do that now this is a really fine line okay because i believe in supporting christian causes and i believe in speaking out about the truth and so hear my heart on this today we don't get extreme either way but let's get a balanced godly heart for causes But first, before all that, and this is where I think we've got it wrong, and I think even I get it wrong, is out of fear of the enemy taking over with, say, gay marriage or whatever the issue might be, out of fear we point out the fault and then that becomes the thing we're known for. That's not the thing we're meant to be known for. We're meant to be known for having a relationship with heaven. And so out of that will flow correction and and but correction hasn't really even worked because they don't even believe in the same book so it's like we're speaking you know Chinese anyway so it's just going nowhere you know the battle the battle isn't really a a a direct battle is it it's a heavenly battle it's the principalities and powers and so when we know our relationship with Jesus is right then there's a flow of righteousness from us. Now, I don't have an answer today, and Karen and I talk about this a lot because I, you know, ask Karen, well, how are we meant to fight these causes if we're not meant to say anything and just lay down and love everyone? Or if we're meant to do this? And so there's this really healthy um, posture that we as believers in Australia and in the US, I mean, in the US, you know, you've got the extremes of everything, the amazing, incredible extremes, and then you've got the other end as well. And so it's probably even harder there. But, uh, but here in Australia, because of the silence, the void of extremes, so to speak, and, and the void of that, we've got to be really, really wise on how we speak and who we speak about and how we speak about them. Um, because you know, right now, it would, it would seem that um, the world, or the, the secular world, secular people out there don't necessarily relate Christians to love. Now, 
Some of them turn that around on us and, and, and use it against us in a wrong way. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is that actually loving Jesus and then sharing love with other people should be one of the first conversations we have. Not, I don't agree with your lifestyle. Not, I mean, yeah, I could go on for a while on this because this is something I'm sort of, you know, 30% into in the sense of I, I, I get enough in to get myself burnt and then I pull my fingers out again. Do you know what I mean? And so uh, it's, it's a careful line that we've got to tread. But the one thing that I know is that when I watch people go up to Shampa, it doesn't matter what lifestyle they're living in. The love that she carries from the father oozes through her into that person. And I saw the same thing when, when we're with Wayne and Irene. It's the same thing. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, why didn't that happen for me? They're just meeting these visitors or people, you know, in the street or at the beach or wherever they were, and they're just pouring this love out on these people. I'm like, man, that doesn't happen for me. And so I look at that and go, wow, maybe there's a system that I'm operating in, not a relationship. And when I'm operating in a system, those people feel systemized. I know that's not a word, but you know what I mean. They feel the system, don't they? They feel that you're operating in a system, so they know the rules straight away. Okay, I know the rules of this system because Australians live in it really, really well, and I've perfected it perfectly. But, but this Revelation chapter 2 comes back to me. And so when I, when I am reading this in the, in the mornings this week, I'm reading this going, okay, I have been Ephesus for much of my life. I have been Ephesus for much of my life. And you may sit there this morning and I'm not pointing fingers because I'm right in it, right? But you may say, wow, I've actually operated, I've lived in Ephesus most of my life too. I don't want to live in Ephesus. I don't want to meet, do all this, you know, all this Christian stuff and live a goody-goody two-shoes life, missing out on a whole lot of other stuff that we supposedly meant to miss out on. And then get to Jesus and he still says all of that was for the wrong reason. If you're going to pay the price, get the reward. And so when I look at that, I go, wow, I've got to get to the source. I've got to get to the source all the time. I've got to get to the source because it's not enough to just live by the rules. Living by the rules is boring if you don't get the reward. If you train and train and train and train and train for something, a marathon or a run or a swim or a ride or whatever it might be, you train really, really hard, but you know you're never going to win and uh, I, yes, it is a good feeling winning. And I know we're meant to say, no, and you don't have to win to be good. But, you, you know, it's a nice feeling to win and to actually accomplish something. There, that, that's a politically correct way of saying it. It's nice to accomplish something, isn't it? Everyone wants to accomplish things. And so in, in life's accomplishment, if you knew by doing all that training and everything right, you still wouldn't accomplish that thing, you wouldn't do it, would you? Because you go through a whole lot of hardship. And so we need to know the source. And, you know, it's, it's not even really something that, that I can preach today because ultimately Revelation chapter 2 says it better than I can. Have we lost our first love? For him. For him. It's not even about people right now. That's step two, I think. Have we lost our first love for him? It's easy to do. Hurt comes. Leaders will fail you. People will let you down. Shampa said it perfectly. I think at one of the meetings she said it. Anyway, it might have been 
just in our time, but he said, of course, don't expect anyone to be perfect. Don't expect them to do that for you. Don't expect them to, 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 to sort out all the stuff around you and around them. And they are completely earthen vessels just like you. And, that, and we know we are. I bleed a lot. I've been chainsawing a lot lately and I've got that many cuts up my arms. It's not with a chainsaw, but <laughs> just clarify that. Um, it's confronting, isn't it? This is only my first one. I've got four passages to read, but, you know, we'll see how we go. But I think 1 Corinthians 13, most of us know this really, really well. We've got it plastered up the back there, faith, hope, and love, 1 Corinthians 13. But, but this verse, we, we've heard this passage so many times. You've probably heard it at weddings and, uh, and, and all sorts of gatherings, you know, the importance of love. But but when we actually read this, and it helps sometimes to read it in different versions, that's what I do. If I know a verse or a passage way too well, and I'm just reading it through and I'm skimming it, go to like old style King James or the message or passion or so, just something that's going to shake it from its normality, and then it brings out in a new light. And so 1 Corinthians uh, 13 verse 1, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, I mean, get that. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can actually move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, as in if I become a martyr, For the name of Jesus, picture this, if I become a martyr for the name of Jesus today, but I don't actually love him and I'm not operating out of love, then I'm operating in a system. And it's a religious system. It's a form without power because love is power. And I mean, this is scary, isn't it? This is quite confronting. And so for me, I look at that and go, okay, I've got to spend... 90% of my time praying and operating out of relationship with the Father and with Jesus, with Holy Spirit. I've got to spend 90% of my time operating in that realm and 10% of my time asking the Lord maybe for the miraculous. Because often in, say, revival settings, we can spend 90% of our time pursuing the outworking of the relationship, forgetting about the relationship. But it's the relationship he's after. All that other, other stuff he doesn't really care about so much. Of course, he cares about people and he wants to heal people and save people and deliver people. But the actual um, function of it is purely a function. He could literally flick his fingers today and everyone on the earth would be born again, saved, healed, delivered. But he chose humans like you and me to operate the kingdom through and to speak the language that would somehow release heaven here on earth and release the kingdom, the gospel, but it's through love. And so that's why um, it, it keeps coming back. You can see it throughout Scripture, especially in pivotal times in Scripture. And Paul really brought this out at a very, very critical time because the gifts of the Spirit were flowing, um, you know, poured out Holy Spirit, and people were getting really excited. Of course, there was prophecies happening here, left, right, and center, and then tongues. And you could see people maybe getting extreme in the gift of tongues only. And, and, and so he, right in the middle of uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, he puts chapter 13. Uh, and as we know, when he wrote the letters, it wasn't in chapter. 
chapters. It was just continually written letters all in sentences. So you can sort of bridge them all together and we need to read them as a, as a summary statement, not isolated things. But he says right in the middle there in chapter 12, it's all worthless if we don't love. All of it's worthless. Everything we do, everything we'll do this week, this month, this year, if we're not operating in the love of the Father, then it's worthless. doesn't matter how much money we amass. doesn't matter how much. It doesn't matter if we burn at the stake for our faith or even if we burn at the stake for our cause. Now, this is the caution I've got. Is I like a good cause and I like a, you know, I like a good issue. And so, you know, if there's a, if there's a um, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? Um, you know, if there's a righteous cause that I can stand in and know that I've got the scripture to back me up, then I could easily stand for that cause and justify a whole lot of unloveliness. Do you know what I mean by that? And so we, we could easily take the posture of authority. Why? Because the word of God says this is not right. Therefore, I can stand in my purity and my righteousness and abuse everyone else because they're wrong. <laughs> but it's not love. What it is, is us actually in complete, unholy, sanctified justification or righteousness. It's completely unsanctified. It's not sanctified because first, Paul says, first, love the Father and then love people. And so our message is love. We know that. But it's very difficult somehow to stuff enough love into this little body and get it operating right. I don't know if you find that as well. But for me, it's something that requires continual meditation. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. And for me, this, you know, hey, see me in 40 years and see how I'm doing. I hope I'm doing a whole lot better in this area. But it's actually something that we have to war against. We have to war against the system because the system is the enemy. It's the antichrist. And if he can dilute us down to a normality level and take love out of the room so that we operate in a really, really amazing way and have thousands of people and, and look successful and sound successful, but we're void of love, then the enemy's won. Even if we sing great worship songs and we preach really good sermons and people are giving and there's, you know, even barbecues happening and amazing things going on. All this stuff, all this stuff. You think about it. What a waste of our lives. We're better off trying love and getting it really wrong. Just stuffing up completely. Because at least then we're not going to be at Ephesus. But if we're an Ephesus, then we're in danger of losing our lampstand, losing the anointing, losing the gospel, losing what we really stand for in the first place. And so some of you this morning, I know it's Mother's Day and normally there's not a challenge on Mother's Day. Normally, you know, I, I would speak much nicer. Um, but hey, this is what he's speaking to me. So I thought I'd just share it with everyone. <laughs> How much longer, Jesus? How much longer? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll summarize it with this. And, and this is absolutely plagiarized from our spiritual mum and dad, Wayne and Irene. When we were in Germany, um, the, 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 the love that they carry is dramatic. You guys know that because they came. They're coming again in September. They, they ooze love. And they showed us a love that um, certainly for me, 40 years in the church, you would think you'd become very accustomed to this. 
but it just goes to show how we still haven't fully learnt, especially in Australia. We're very withheld in this area. And, and you know, no, I won't even go on that tangent. But there's just too many tangents today. I should have called this Tangent Day because there's just so many directions I could go in right now. But I will stay on track. Um, in fact, we'll read Genesis 11, verse 3. Genesis 11, verse 3. Obviously, the world was created in Genesis 1. Well, actually, it was created and then Genesis was written a lot later by Moses, actually. I believe he wrote it all down after history lineage. But um, obviously, the people, there was, there was, they were amassing a lineage and generations and the population of the earth was growing. And so the population of the earth was getting smarter. And God was seeing this from heaven somehow. And this is what happened. Uh, the people said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. This is the pivotal moment. Babel, or Americans say Babel, I think. But um, this is where that term babbling comes from. It's because God saw that inherently in the, ma- in the heart of man is a desire to be like God or to be God. And so here we see in, in the heart of man, in the, 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 the depths of man is actually to be God to take God out of the picture, just like Lucifer tried to do, take God out of the picture, and it's pride. And so these guys got really proud, and they said, we're going to build a tower and be like God. Stretch it to the heavens so we can see everything that he sees. And you can see here, this is a system and a form, and this is the danger if we try and even do church like this without love. And I don't mean unsanctified love. I don't just mean going around saying, oh, I love you, love you, love you. I mean genuine love. You don't even have to speak. You don't even have to speak. You don't, you don't have to do anything for anyone because they'll know you love them. And, and they'll know what's done in secret. And they'll know what you don't say about them. You, they'll know what you withhold as a secret. They'll know what fruit of your life comes out when you're around them and when you worship and the time you spend with the Lord and with your family. And I loved what Shampa said the night on the Monday night we had, she was sharing on the seer gift, which, you know, was amazing. And she shared very openly about that. Um, and, uh, but the one thing she, you know, halfway through, she, she just sort of stopped and said, hey, if your marriage is no good, no good being here tonight. Go and sort out your marriage and then actually try and operate in the seer gift. And what she's saying there is love needs to operate first. The gift is just a function. It's worthless. It's as a resounding gong. It, you, we, can, we can literally say to that mountain there to go over there supernaturally if that happened, the whole world would be on Facebook saying, hey, this guy just moved a mountain. He operates in the anointing. You know, revival's poured out. Come, come get some over here. Come on. You know, this is, the, this is what we do in a system. It's not the kingdom. It's not the kingdom. And, you know, this is a challenge to myself. But when we dig into the depths of the heart of the Father, it looks different. It looks different. Everything looks different. And I don't know what that means, but it will look different for you than for me. It'll, it'll be completely different. But it, the challenge is to get into deep relationship with Him 
take away the systematic approach, take away the forms and the expectations of either, even of other people and get with him. Because when we get with him, other things fall into place. And then the fruit of our life become powerful. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, so to, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. If we don't operate in love and in the kingdom, it's all for nothing. It's all for nothing. It's, it's all for nothing. All of this and maybe even all the rules and regulations and things that we've thought are really godly things, and a lot of them are right and godly. But this is the key. God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. It's all he cares about is your heart condition and my heart condition. It's what he's looking at right now. It's what he's looking at when you cry out to him. It's what he's looking at when you're worshiping. It's what he's looking at when you're having fun. It's what he's looking at all the time is gazing upon our hearts. What's the condition of your heart? What's the condition of your heart? What's the condition of a heart? Are you operating in love? Do you love me? Do you know me? Do you know my voice? Do you, do you, or do you just want to operate in a form? Because I'm telling you, the form is easier. The system is easier. It's easier because we know the rules. But when we're vulnerable and we just live for him, there are no rules. There's guidelines and there's things that will help along the way. But it's a journey of living in the Spirit by faith. So let's stand this morning. Thanks, guys. And Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I take hold of that this morning for myself. And Lord, we take hold of that as a church family this morning. And we ask, Lord, that you would even right now, for some of us, maybe we've realized that there's been a system, systematic approach to our faith our whole lives, or maybe the last five years, or maybe we've grown cold, or maybe there's, there's been circumstances and hurts and bitterness and things, events that have taken place in our lives, and we have become so used to a system that we've lost our first love. Lord, we ask that you would give us our first love back this morning. If you want that back, and I mean absolutely anyone. I'm not looking. I don't really care if one person or 25 people put their hand up. But I want an opportunity for you. It doesn't matter. You're probably completely born again, serve in the church, do everything. You name it. But I want to go to a whole deeper level right now and allow him to operate at a pure depth where he can get really deep, where he can go to the roots, and he can look us in the eyes and say, I know you love me. And where you can say, I love you, Jesus. I want it to be about love from now on. Just raise your hands right now. I want to just ask the Holy Spirit just to come and empower us. Because one thing I know is I can't do it without Holy Spirit.
I can't do it without his revelation. I can't do it without him whispering, challenging my conscience or speaking through his word. So Holy Spirit, we ask this morning on Mother's Day that you would pour out your heart across this place. And Lord, wherever we have operated in a system rather than out of a relationship with you, we repent. We repent. We recognize, Lord, it's all about you. It's got nothing to do with anything else. It's got nothing to do with any expectation I've had on myself or anyone else has had on me. But it's purely about you. It's about you, Jesus. And so we give over again to you. We give over again to you. And we ask for a fresh revelation of the heart of God to be poured out upon us, in us, and through us today. Lord, draw us into your heart. Draw us into love so that we may operate in love with others around us. Holy Spirit, come and fill this house today with your love, with your power. Lord, we choose love over a system today. We choose love over expectations. We choose love over operating in something void of love. And so we choose you, Jesus. We choose you. Lord, I ask that you would give us a fresh fresh anointing even to have time with you in that place of your heart. Time with you in that place of love. And Lord, we repent where we just haven't been able to do that or it's just grown cold. And Lord, we ask for a fresh fire, a fresh fire on our time with you, a fresh fire on the word, a fresh fire on our prayer life, a fresh love injected into our relationship with you. Lord, give us back that relationship. Give us back that relationship. Give us back that relationship, even as a house, Lord. Give us back that relationship with the Father, that relationship with Jesus Christ, that relationship with Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Fresh washing today, Lord, in your love. A fresh washing, a fresh bathing, a fresh baptizing in the love of Jesus today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thanks for joining us on the Harvest Australia podcast. For more information and events in the life of Harvest Australia Church, please visit harvestaustralia.org.